Welcome to episode 5 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, the top five reasons to pack a squeeze bottle of isopropyl alcohol, the Summit Gear Review will feature the REI Merino Ultralight Hiker Crew Socks. The Backpack Hack of the Week will be a $219 hack that costs free. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from our good friend, John Muir. All this, and that's about it, today on The First 40 Miles. You know there's a saying when you go to purchase backpacking gear. Price, weight, durability, pick any two. What was the last thing that you purchased and what two items did you pick from that list? Price, weight, or durability? And did you end up getting all three, price, weight, and durability? And how did you do it? Josh, what are your experiences with picking two from that list. We've purchased quite a bit of backpacking gear over the last few months, and there's certain areas where these trade-offs really are very visible. Um, But but really with everything you buy, you'll see it. When you go look at packs, for example, um, you've got that trade-off where if you can get a really light pack at a good price, but it may not be durable or functional. You might get a pack that is lightweight and very functional, lots of features, you're going to pay a lot for that. You know, you make that trade-off. We saw that with tents, and there was a, you know, big impact as you looked at the weight of the tent and looked at the price with that. You could get a heavy tent for a good price, but if you wanted a really light tent that still did the job really well, you had to pay more for it. I've seen it especially with clothing. Uh, You can get a nice heavy sweatshirt or something real cheap, but to get that super lightweight puffy jacket that's going to keep you warm on a backpacking trip that's super compressible, you're going to have to pay for it uh, to, to really get a good item. And sleeping bags especially fall into this trade-off. Uh, again, you can go get a sleeping bag that's going to get you down to the right temperature that you want at a really good price if you're willing to lug around five pounds of sleeping bag. But if you want one and a half pounds of sleeping bag to give you the same warmth, you're going to have to pay multiple times the price. Yeah, the only way that I've found to beat this, where I can get three out of three, is by buying used. And even that's kind of hit and miss. I was able to purchase a lot of my clothing used before our last trip. Found really great deals on some pants and some some dry uh, wicking shirts, but some things I just had to purchase new and I definitely paid for the quality and the lightweight items that I bought. And women's clothing is generally a little easier to find uh, at a thrift shop. Men's clothing, well, you know, we men, we just wear out our clothing until there's nothing left <laughs> and, and it's not usable for anyone after that. But the other day we found a great uh, sleeping pad for just a few bucks at the local uh, thrift shop that would have cost quite a bit more if we bought it new. Yeah, in fact, I think it was new when we purchased it at the thrift shop. It sure looked like it. (laughs) Yeah, it still had the tags on it. 
Well, good luck with that. Price, weight, and durability. And sometimes you can even substitute out some other words, price, weight, functionality. But the whole idea is you can't have it all. So good luck with your purchases. On to our top five list. The top five reasons to pack a squeeze bottle of isopropyl alcohol. Keeping yourself clean, safe, and comfortable are all priorities on the trail. So packing a little one ounce bottle of isopropyl alcohol really makes sense. This is also known as rubbing alcohol or isopropanol. It's an inexpensive multi-use item that you will be so glad that you packed. The number one reason to pack a squeeze bottle of isopropyl alcohol is it can clean your skin. Back in the olden days, they used to use rubbing alcohol to clean wounds, and they don't recommend that anymore because one of the properties of rubbing alcohol is that it is a drying agent, so it should never be used on an open wound. It actually slows down the healing. So yeah, while it's killing the germs, it's actually making it harder for your body to heal after you've been injured. So what I use rubbing alcohol for is for cleaning feet at night, and it feels fantastic when you take off your shoes and you get a little cotton ball wet with rubbing alcohol and you just rub in between your toes and get your toes all clean and get your feet just beautiful again. Another place you might want to use it if you're going to clean your skin with rubbing alcohol is the back of your neck. That's an area that really gets hot and sweaty and sticky when you're hiking or backpacking. And then another place, and this is really helpful for those multi-day trips, is your belly button. So just trust me on this one. You might want to just take a little cotton puff and douse it with rubbing alcohol and clean out your belly button. The number two reason to pack a squeeze bottle of isopropyl alcohol on your next trip is bug management. Rubbing alcohol can be used to remove a tick. You can actually dab the tick with rubbing alcohol to make it loosen its grip. And then you grab the tick as close as you can with tweezers and pull it straight out. You can also use it as mosquito itch relief. When you dab the alcohol on your skin, the cooling sensation gets to the brain faster than the itching sensation. So it actually provides mosquito itch relief. Also, the alcohol causes drying to the skin, which causes shrinkage of the mosquito bites and a reduction in the swelling. The number three reason to pack a squeeze bottle of isopropyl alcohol is that you can use it on sore muscles. So if you've just done a day or two of, of some strong hiking, you can use the rubbing alcohol on your skin to relieve pain and inflammation. The number four reason to pack a squeeze bottle of isopropyl alcohol is that it can also do double duty as fuel. Now, if you bring a cat food stove or a cat stove, it's a homemade stove that you punch holes in around the around the rim, and it takes a lot of different forms of fuel, but one of the fuels that you can burn in it is isopropyl alcohol. Now, one of the things you'll wanna be aware of if you try to use it as a fuel is that it does blacken the bottom of your pot, so beware. Blackened pots are not a bad thing, but a mess all over your pack is. It will rub right off, just be aware of that. And if you do use it as a fuel, you'll wanna make sure to pack 90% isopropyl alcohol so that it's just 10% water. The number five reason to pack a squeeze bottle of isopropyl alcohol is to use as a hand sanitizer. I keep my alcohol in a leak-proof squeeze top bottle, just an ounce, and so it's so convenient. It's basically like liquid Purell. 
If you're going to be packing isopropyl alcohol as a hand sanitizer, you'll actually want to bring 71% isopropyl alcohol instead of 90%. And this seems kind of counterintuitive, but the germicidal effects happen as the isopropyl alcohol is evaporating from your hands. And so anything in the alcohol that makes it evaporate slower is going to kill the germs more effectively than if it were to evaporate in two to three seconds. So you want it to stay on your skin for a while. So 71% is great. It just means it's mixed with more water and it'll actually take longer to dry, which means it will kill the germs. So isopropyl alcohol is one of those things that I don't have in my pack. So I'm trying to think about it and, and I guess you're, you're always recommending that the things that you carry in your pack do double duty or it can be used for multiple uh, uses. And so I guess if I was to carry rubbing alcohol, perhaps if it could uh, replace the disinfectant wipes that are in my first aid kit, and if it could also replace the soap that I carry, then maybe the rubbing alcohol would be a good way to go and, and get multiple uses out of that in one item. If you're looking for a one fluid ounce container, REI has a polyethylene round container with a polypropylene squirt cap. It's just $1.25. You can probably find one online too, but I've never had an issue with it leaking. In fact, we have another bottle that we keep olive oil in. Again, we've never had an issue with it leaking. So I recommend those containers to store anything liquid for your next backpacking trip. Here on the first 40 miles, we created the Summit Gear Review. It's the most comprehensive gear review system for backpacking gear, and it gives you a 360 look at backpacking gear before it goes into your pack. Summit stands for Structure, Utility, Mass, Maintenance, Investment, and Trial. Well, today on the Summit Gear Review, we are reviewing the REI Merino Ultralight Hiker Crew Socks. Structure. These socks are made of 51% merino wool, 46% nylon, and 3% spandex. So with these socks being made of wool, uh, I know people have heard about wool being itchy. Is that an issue? It's actually not. These are a nice blend. In fact, the spandex and the nylon, they're really comfortable fabrics to begin with. And the merino wool that people use in production nowadays, it seems like it's so much more refined and so much softer. There weren't any itchiness issues. Yeah, so this isn't your grandma's wool. The merino wool that they use nowadays is a much finer fiber. And because of that, you don't have the itching problems uh, that you would have had with old style wool socks. Yeah, it must be from really nice sheep. I think they feed the sheep chocolate. That's why we're having a chocolate shortage in the world. Oh, no. It's our fault. <laughs> so these socks actually have no cushioning built into them, which was fine for me because I usually double up on socks to prevent blisters. So I didn't really need cushioning in these. They have stretched nylon that reinforces the heel and toe areas, which means you're not going to have toes poking through or, you know, wearing those areas out. An arch band is built into these socks to provide additional support, so it's tighter around the arches, which makes them very comfortable to wear. Utility. These socks, if you look them up on REI's website, it says that they're unisex, which just made me laugh, because what makes a socks unisex? So they don't come in purple. That's what it is. The ones that I got were dark khaki. 
and I think they're cute. These socks can also do double duty as gloves, although they don't have all those little finger things. It's nice to know that gear can do double duty. So if you ever were super cold and you lost your gloves, they flew off a cliff, you could always use your socks and these wool socks would be very toasty warm. Mass, these socks weighed in at 1.7 ounces, which is 48 grams, and they come in small, medium, large, and extra large. Maintenance, you're just gonna wash these socks like normal socks. They don't really have any special washing instructions. And these socks, while I was on the trail, I provided maintenance to them by washing them every day in cold water because we didn't have hot water. <laughs> we didn't have hot tap water. So yeah, I just washed them in soap and water. Investment, these socks are going to be $13.50 a pair. When my mom found out how much I paid for those socks, she was kind of surprised because she picks up her socks at Costco and they are 83% merino wool and they're under $12 for a four pack. So if you have access to a store like that where they have great deals, then that's an option for you. Trial, I brought the dark khaki color. I loved it because the socks didn't look dirty at the end of the day. They were the color of dirt. I thought that was kind of nice. Another pair of socks that I'd purchased for a recent trip, I decided to get white. And so after hiking all day, the socks looked grungy. And no matter how many times I rinsed them out, they were still grungy. So I liked that these socks came in dark khaki. The socks were comfortable. They were snug fitting, which I loved that. I didn't want my socks to bunch up on me in my shoes. I actually got blisters on a five and a 10 miler when I wore these socks by themselves. But when I doubled them with a liner, I had no problem. And that doesn't say anything about the socks themselves. That tells you the power of a liner. So definitely double up on socks and powder your feet and you should be fine. These socks were roughly half wool, half nylon. When I washed them on the trail, they still took a while to dry. And that's because of the wool. Wool just takes a long time to dry. So don't count on them drying twice as fast. They still have the wool and they're still gonna take a while to dry. Don't plan on them adding a ton of warmth or cushioning to your feet. They're just a great layer of protection and they're wicking. And that's really what you want in a sock. So I really enjoyed these socks. Can I come back to liner socks for a minute? So when you go backpacking, you actually hike with two pairs of socks, generally. Uh, you have a thin liner sock and then a little bit thicker uh, hiking sock. And so what Heather just reviewed was a hiking sock, and she mentioned pairing those up with liner socks. I have a, a couple pairs of REI Merino wool liner socks. They have a very similar material list. They're 57% wool, 41% nylon, couple percent spandex. So built very similarly, but meant to go underneath those hiking socks. Mine are dark gray, and what I really like is that I think that I can actually double these up as dress socks. So I can wear them out hiking one day. Next day, I can be in church or a business meeting, still wearing my REI socks, feeling like I'm out on the trail, uh, even when I'm not. So I think that's great. <laughs> and on warmer days on the trail, I actually ended up just wearing the liner socks by themselves. I didn't have any blisters, but maybe I just got lucky. But they were very comfortable that way on warmer days. Well, maybe you're a backpacker on a budget, or maybe you're just a do-it-yourself geek. I'm both. 
Today's backpack hack of the week is do-it-yourself ultralight sunglasses. So sunglasses are always on the 10 essential list right next to sunscreen. They're important to have and they can be expensive, but they don't have to be. Today's backpack hack of the week is free. How much money did we save, Josh? $219. That's right. If we're going to do ultralight sunglasses, we might as well get the expensive pair to compare them to. Of course. So here's what you do. On your next visit to the optometrist, after you get your eye exam, ask for a pair of the free eye dilation sunglasses. So the only catch here is you have to go to the optometrist and pay $219 or so for your eye exam. Yeah, that. <laughs> well, usually eye dilation sunglasses look extremely dorky. So take those free styling glasses. You could add rhinestones to these glasses. That sounds like extra weight to me. Extra weight. All right, you can take a hole punch and punch holes in the sides of these glasses. Now you're talking. <laughs> well, all you have to do now is slip them back into that high-quality protective sleeve that they came in, and voila, you have ultra-light sunglasses, and I'm sure these weigh simply grams. Now, whether or not these glasses are going to work for you depends on a couple factors. One is, how often do you wear sunglasses personally? For myself, I never wear sunglasses unless I absolutely have to. So this would work great for me because they're lightweight and I'm probably never going to pull them out on a backpacking trip. But other people I know wear sunglasses virtually all the time and they're going to want something that's going to be very durable, not get scratched, and feel comfortable on their face. Also, the type of activity that you're doing. If you're going to be moving, jostling around a lot, then these sunglasses may not be stable enough on your face. But if you're just hiking down the trail steady, yeah, these will work. And then another thing is if you're going to be on any snowfields or glaciers during your trip, and you'll generally know that ahead of time, if you're going to be crossing snowfields or glaciers, then sunglasses are a must in order to protect the health of your eyes. And there you'll want to consider, if you're going to spend a lot of time in that environment, you'll probably want some better sunglasses. But if you're not really going to be around the glaciers and snowfields on a particular hike, then yeah, these uh, eye dilation sunglasses are a great way to go. They're lightweight and, and can just uh, get stuffed into your pack just in case you need them. We'll leave you with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, John Muir. John Muir was a naturalist. He's actually Scottish-born, immigrated to the U.S. when he was a young child. Uh, he's known as the father of the national parks uh, because he lobbied Congress to create the national park system. So what did he have to say? He said, thousands of tired, nerve-shaken, over-civilized people are beginning to find out going to the mountains is going home, that wilderness is a necessity. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, like us on Facebook, The First 40 Miles. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles.